Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Michael Potters, the co-founder and CEO of the Glenmont Group, a leading recruiting firm in the legal industry. Hi, Michael. How are you? Hey, Ari. How's it going? Great talking to you today. It's great to speak with you. So tell us about your background and the genesis of the Glenmont Group. We started the Glenmont Group, co-founded it with my wife, Katie. We started it 20 years ago when we wanted to start a new business. I'd been an entrepreneur before in a couple of businesses. We really didn't know what to do. And we looked at many different businesses and the one that seemed to make the most sense for us and our lifestyle and the way that we think and work was executive recruiting. So we decided to start an executive recruiting firm We actually started it by buying a franchise of a group called Management Recruiters International, which is um, the largest recruiting umbrella company in the world. At the time, I think they had over a thousand offices around the world. We did a 10-year contract with them. We always saw ourselves as a boutique recruiting firm. So we purposely did not name ourselves as an MRI office. We named ourselves Glenmont Group right from the very beginning, not even knowing what areas we were going to recruit in. I knew a lot about info management, quite a bit about consumer electronics, and a fair amount about legal technology. And we pushed all three balls at the same time. And the ball that took off was legal technology. So our first client was a company called Steelpoint, became Xantas, became Autonomy, became HP. We just sort of grew from there. We started on the vendor side of the space, but it quickly moved into the law firm side, doing lift support positions, then legal IT positions then marketing positions, and then at the law firms, now we do partners, then morphed into corporate, where we do corporate legal and corporate IT positions. Now we're doing quite a bit of data privacy positions. How has recruiting evolved since you established the company two decades ago? So recruiting, when we started, was very much a paper business, very time-consuming business. So when we started it, there was no monster, there was no dice, there was no LinkedIn, which is the biggest game changer ever in careers. None of that existed. There was not the social networks. You didn't even communicate the way you communicate now. That's one of the big changes is the speed to identify and to get talent. And while that's very good from a talent acquisition point of view, it's also very, very confusing for the people who are hiring or for candidates who are looking to advance their careers because now everybody's available out there. It's very competitive, where before it would just be somebody reaching out to you about an opportunity and then being submitted in. What positions are in the highest demand today? It does change dramatically year to year, sometimes even quarter to quarter. Now, more than ever, the important positions are around revenue generation because everybody's desperate for revenue, always are desperate for revenue, even in great times, but they're particularly desperate now for revenue because of COVID and how much business has gone down. So sales, sales related, sales ops, and then executives that handle that from VPs of sales on up to presidents and sales focused CEOs, that's in very high demand. Anything around data privacy is ridiculously hot right now and very strong. One of the strongest positions, it's always strong, but I think it's particularly strong right now because it does tie both delivery side and revenue side is project management. Project managers right now, I would clearly say are one of the hottest commodities out there. Their salaries have been going up. They're much harder to recruit away from their companies. They often get counter offers because the companies don't want to lose their project managers. How did you pivot the Glenmont Group in the pandemic? 
a little of it was sheer dumb luck, to be honest. We made a decision, Katie and I, that we wanted to do more contract positions. So we did contract IT positions with some major corporations. While the percentage of profits went down when you do contracts, the cash flow was much better. And what that ended up doing was put us into the IT world and gave us a lot of stability over the last year and a half. And we did that actually pre-COVID. We did that as a decision when we saw the economies changing, but it actually paid off pretty well. The other thing that we did to pivot was focus more on placing more lawyers because that became an aspect of what was needed out there and became important to us. But one of the key changes, I would say, was not related to COVID, was related more to the BLM or the Black Lives Matter movement. There was always a feeble attempt to address diversity hiring at law firms in particular, but even at corporations and certainly at the vendors out there. So they would make some attempt, but not a serious attempt to it. There's a very now real focus in making sure that your company looks diverse. And I can tell you firsthand that the vendors for the first time are taking it seriously right now because they may win or lose a project based on how diverse their company looks. What qualities and types of experience are employers focused on today? There's sort of two ways to look at it. The hiring authorities, so the clients, really what they're looking for is obviously talent in an area that they're weak in. But they're also looking for stability with a candidate. So somebody who's not been necessarily job hoppy because they're concerned if they've had three jobs in five years, that they won't last in their place. But having skill sets in an area that fills void for them is very much important. What I'm hearing more and more right now, and it actually makes me feel good, is the companies are being very cautious on who they bring in. We've had a number of cases in the last year, if not longer than that, of people who looked like they were at the top of the talent pool who ended up getting shot down because they didn't look like they fit into a company. They didn't fit into the term that I've heard a couple of times is they don't look like they play well in the sandbox in there. I've been hearing that more and more. And it's not just the vendors or the corporations. It's the law firms, too. They're really looking to see how well somebody fits into their corporate culture. What advice do you have then for candidates looking to advance their careers? You've got to nail your LinkedIn profile. You have to nail that down. That's what everybody is using first, not just recruiters, but talent managers, heads of companies, heads of departments. They go to LinkedIn first and decide, wow, I'd really like to have somebody like that on my team. Your LinkedIn profile better resonate with the kind of things that people are looking for so they can see it or get picked up. One of the smart things that a candidate can do is make a decision what you want to be when you grow up. Take a look on LinkedIn. Try to find people who have a career that look like the kind of career that you want and has taken the path that you think you want to take and try to mirror that. So if you see they've gotten certain certifications, go out maybe and get those certifications. If you see that their profile resonates because of some personal things that they put in there, then put that in there. Mirror somebody's profile in a way that you can make your profile look like that successful person in there. Then when you interview, besides talking about your skill sets, which is obvious in it, try to sell yourself as somebody that fits into an organization. And you can only do that if you know what that organization is like. So you can't in an interview simply say, hey, what's your organization about? Oh, I'm like that as well. You should have a little bit of insights that you can garner on your own. Or if you've gone into a recruiter, a recruiter can tell you about that and try to let them know that you fit in there. Then stability, suck it up if the job's a little bit challenging and try not to find the job every year. The stability is a very big factor in people's careers who are advancing. Try to be on a job minimum two years, certainly three years or longer if possible. What about employers? What can they do when seeking new hires to ensure that they're securing the best talent in 2021? 
The first thing is to look downstream a bit. Hire somebody who is lacking a little bit of the talent and looking to advance their career. That manifests itself in an interesting way. Now you have somebody who's hungry when they come in to advance their career and to learn. And learning is very important. Hire somebody who maybe with a little bit of mentoring can raise their bar. This serves two purposes. You end up with a more dedicated, higher quality employee more often than not, but you also get to save some money. If you're hiring somebody who's working someplace, they're expecting a bump up of usually a minimum of 10%, if not 15 to 20%. So when you hire somebody downstream, if your budget was $150,000, but you're only looking at talent that's $200,000, and then the bump up that they're expecting, you could see that that can be a two hundred and twenty to $240,000 person. If you look downstream a bit and you get that person for 120 that's working somewhere and with a bump up, then it's 130 to 150 You've ended up saving a lot of money and I would argue probably got or potentially got as good an employee. The other thing that I think is extremely important is don't be so picky on having to have them in your office. The good news about COVID, if there was any, is because nobody was in the offices, remote finally became accepted. It's yet to be seen what's going to happen when everything gets opened up and the offices start opening up. But my bet is at best, maybe 25% are going to end back up in the office. The advantage of opening it up remotely is your talent pool is all over the place. I can absolutely guarantee you that the talent pool is all over the country. There are great people in New York, D.C. and Silicon Valley, but there are also great people in Kansas City, Pittsburgh and Minneapolis. When you look in those more remote areas, the compensations go down quite a bit because of the cost of livings and you get to save money there, but you also open it up to a much larger pool of talent and you're much likelier to find the talent that you're looking for if you open it up and let them work remote. How do you see staffing in the legal industry changing going forward? Let me get a little follow-up on the remote stuff. That genie's out of the bottle. That's going to change it dramatically because it'll give people the ability to advance their careers from around the country and it'll give clients the ability to hire people from around the country and hire a little bit higher talent, it will control the cost. The biggest change that was going to be related to diversity. There is a very, very serious push that's coming first from the corporations, then from the law firms, then from the consultancies, and then trickling down to the vendors where they really are truly looking at diverse talent. And by diverse, it's ethnicity, it's LGBT, it's neurodiversity, military vets. So I think that's going to be one of the biggest changes where you're going to see diversity as a key issue and the the talent pool being balanced out a lot more like that. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Michael Potters, the co-founder and CEO of the Glenmont Group, a leading recruiting firm in the legal industry. Michael, thanks so much. Thank you very much, Ari. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.